Hello, and welcome to Essential Work, exploring the past, present, and future of jobs. This podcast brought to you by the Battle of Homestead Foundation. I'm Nathan Ruggles. Thank you for listening. We bring you stories and struggles, people and perspectives, interviews and commentaries, all on the world of work yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And welcome to part two of our Year in Review, Year in Preview, with two members of the Brain Trust at the core of the Battle of Homestead Foundation. That is history professor Dr. Charles McCollister and longtime labor leader Rosemary Trump. We continue our conversation around the issues that faced workers and society in 2021, along with what's coming up in 2022. If you missed part one, check it out in your podcast app or at EssentialWorkPodcast.org. Then come on back here for part two. Up next. And we're back here on Essential Work with Rosemary Trump and Charlie McCullister. Thank you both again for being on the program. Thank you again. That's great. It's wonderful to be here. <laughs> so uh, I'd like to uh, pick up where we left off. First, we're talking about what happened a year ago. So January 6th of 2021, something happened. And, um, you know, I'd like to hear from both of you in terms of what you feel the legacy of that is for not just workers in our country, but our country in large and what this means is meant in the last year, and what do you see it means going forward here, having with a year in the in rearview mirror now, looking back. Rosemary, do you want to? Yes, start I'll, us off? I'll kick it off. I'm, I mean, I really believe that January six was the Watergate of today, uh, where the President of the United States committed high crimes and misdemeanors against the United States and engaged in treasonous behavior. And that it's important to follow the trail and have it lead to where it began, which was it was his desire to overthrow the government by violent means. And uh, there was lots of violence. People died and injured and maimed. And uh, many people will be uh, suffering uh, traumatically. And, you know, in terms of uh, the procedure of the last year, they've uh, gone on some, uh, gone to some of the people that were encouraged by the president of the United States to come to the Capitol and engage in this uh, illegal behavior, and those people are going to jail. But it's got to go up to the chain to where it really began the president of the United States of America leading this charge, and he has got to be put on trial and suffer the consequences of his treasonous acts. Rosemary, had you ever imagined that we, in your lifetime, you would see uh, people breaking the windows in the Capitol Never. building and breaking down the doors and, and, and security with guns in, in the Senate chambers barricading the doors? No. And, you know, and I, you know, when I look back on my childhood, what a privileged childhood I had because at age seven and eight, I had an uncle that would take me to Washington, D.C. with other uh, friends, and we'd go to the Capitol, walk just right in without security cameras and security searches, and and go and sit in the House uh, gallery and uh, be able to view the uh, activity of Congress, and anyone could go. I, I never, never, never in my mind did I ever believe that people would be encouraged to come and essentially tear our institution apart and threaten the lives of our sitting elected leaders. I mean, 
We're above that. America's better than that. That's why we are the beacon of the world. Prior to this time, we were looked upon as a way, as a nation that had figured out a way without having to use weaponry, violence, for the administration of government. And and how tragic is that? That the whole principle of our country, of being able to bring all the interests together, have debate, and have the interest of the majority of America at, at heart so that we could form a more perfect union to address the issues of the common good and the general welfare and have that hope tarnished what is not only doing damage in our country, but worldwide to our reputation. I mean, this is what we should be encouraging for the other nations to engage in, is peaceable ways in which to resolve their differences and conflict. Charlie, do you have uh, uh, reflections on the sixth <laughs> and the legacy it has to the present and future? Yeah, well, Rosemary mentioned Nixon, of course, which I my first political involvement was in the John F. Kennedy campaign going door to door for him. And I despise Nixon, but he looks like a relative uh, saint compared to what we witnessed. Watergate so, was So a, when Kennedy ran against Nixon. Nixon in, in 1960, that, yeah, that, yeah, I was yeah. very deeply involved. The Watergate was a, a petty little event compared to the attack on the Capitol, attack on the, institu- the peaceful transition of power which was the great pride of America. We didn't do that. We had a system that was respected and that did those things for us in a way that the people accepted, even when they didn't like the returns for, God's sake, the George Bush uh, victory over Al Gore, as uh, Rosemary certainly remembers deeply how painful that was and, and very well, much more contestable than anything that ever happened to Donald Trump. That was just awful. But I think at the core of it, what really seems to me, I've always walked on two legs in this in, in most of my life. One is I'm very deeply anti-racist, and, and I grew out of the civil rights movement. And having met Dr. King in 1962, that was a life-changing event for me. But on the other hand, I've also spent time, almost eight years, as an industrial worker, and working with coal miners, and then after coal miners and steel workers, I'm very sympathetic to the anger of the white working class who were stripped of their jobs, their dignity, their their towns were destroyed. I mean, you go through little towns in western Pennsylvania or northern New York that are my my stomping ground, and the storefronts are closed, the streets are deserted, the the places are uh, riven with drugs and and all kinds of horrors. I understand the anger that grows out of that, but that this would turn in this direction is so incredibly tragic. And I think that to see the Confederate flag, I mean, something, uh, my great-grandfather lost his hand in the Third Battle of Winchester fighting that flag, and I, I find that flag offensive. And uh, this white supremacy, and we had an education that whole two years before that, or three years, and going way back, but of the violence against black people through the cameras that all of us carry, we saw, white America saw, in a way that had never happened before, the daily kind of harassment, injustices, violence visited on black people for 
little reason or no reason. And that is something I think was had a lot of sympathy. There were little towns in New York, uh, upstate New York, which I know well, had 150 pe- white people stand out and with signs for Black Lives Matter in those initial times. That those those movements, that solidarity that was felt, the civil rights movement, to me is the great conclusion of our civil war. But the nothing's ever over. The civil war is still there. The civil war is not solved. Uh, the Civil War is still alive, and uh, but the way forward to overcome the Civil War is through direct action, through courage, through individual and collective responses, and through nonviolence. And I think that Dr. King's legacy—you know—they try to water him down and make him palatable, mm-hmm. but he was—he was, he was a, a man who challenged deeply, but also allowed for conversion of white folks <laughs> to 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 get better and to be different this is we need we need that kind of healing healing from below healing between the races in a common struggle for justice fairness equality and the problem is is the accumulation of wealth and the distortion of our media system and everything else by these incredible power of money that has it is killing the world and waste i mean we need to live in a more intelligent less wasteful way all around the world and uh, racism is one of the critical ways that the ruling classes divide people and it has to be confronted I'm very proud here in Pittsburgh that we, uh, many of us and many white folks in Pittsburgh have been supporting black candidates now for a good while, and we're seeing the fruits of that. And good. <laughs> we need that. We need, we need to show solidarity. We need to be out there. But we also have to recognize that the, the bitterness that was the bitter fate of so many of the white workers and their alienation from society and their anger is very real and very understandable. Mm-hmm. And it only can be solved by understanding the class divisions that tear our society apart as well as the racial ones that are used to exploit divisions. So both of them are equally important. All of us need to walk anti-racist, but also reaching out to the working class and sympathy and solidarity with people who struggle for a living, who worry about the next meal on the table or a roof over their head. Indeed, indeed. Uh, you know, forty years of stagnant wages does not does, <laughs> does not does it. not help. And and uh, too with Martin Luther King Day, you know, it's become a national day of service, which is is great. But you know, it is polite. And King's work was it was service, but <laughs> service to the cause of social change. Well, it was to the sanitation workers. It was to a union. He went to Memphis to support a union. And that is, and, and people should see the great movie made on that at the river I stand about the sanitation workers. Mm-hmm. And he, that was central. He was going to mount the poor people's campaign. And he understood that the way to overcome poverty in America was through unionization. And he went to Memphis, even though not 17 out of 20 of his staff voted against him going back to Memphis. Everyone on his staff said, don't go back. They'll kill you. And he said, the issue is not whether Martin Luther King 
Jr. goes back to Memphis, what will happen to him? The issue is, if Martin Luther King does not go back to Memphis, what will happen to them? What will happen to the sanitation workers? Mm. And it was they, the sanitation workers achieved a union contract written in blood. And that is something which all of us should remember, the linkage between the civil rights movement and the struggle for unionization was sealed in Memphis. And we often talk about the March on Washington. We forget the full title was the March on Washington for yes. Jobs. And if and you look at the, ten, the both yes, together, if you look at the ten points, no. five of them have not been achieved. There, there um, are housing wages, uh, all those things. The ones that yeah. were achieved were the were, were very important. But the, so I, I would like to uh, wrap up here, each of you, what your number one, your prediction or hope that you want to see for this new year of 2022? Rosemary? Well, my, my number one is, um, is a combination of um, passing the PRO Act, which is the Right to Organize Act, and winning big in November for the Democratic Party so that we can, t- can continue to drive, once again, a democratic fervor in this nation and get back to where we understand that everybody has... Differences of opinion, but we can work together to resolve them in a fair and a uh, progressive and in a life-saving way. So that's my hope and priority. Elections do matter. They right? do. Charlie, what, what, what's on your mind for, for this, this coming? Well, I, know, I, I, know, I know the legacy of King and what's, you know, what's black, going on white, with race in this country. But, is, you yeah. talked about that a little bit. Is, is very close to your heart. Anything more you'd want to say as far as this coming? Well, I, I look forward to young people taking on the political struggle uh, and going after the, the lowest level of electoral. We need to build the base. We need to build the foundation. We need young people to go out and get involved desperately and to stop this madness and embrace nonviolence, anti-racism, and human solidarity with workers. That's what we need. And and I must say that what we're seeing is it's easy to overgeneralize about generations, right? But I think we are we are seeing uh, yeah. the youngest generation as they get in the workforce seem to have less tolerance for abusive work environments, and that they're demanding more, right? And so if if that spirit and idea can be combined with that solidarity, you know, great things might be possible. And, uh, and, and they're, not afraid, to, they're th- not afraid to look up and see the crisis that's coming and because yeah. they know that the yeah. environment and these storms and these things, they're raging outside. Mm-hmm. There's, they can't, closing your eyes ain't going to help. And the, the baby boom generation might be passing the baton, but I feel like I'm a Gen Xer. I feel like the millennials <laughs> or even the zennials are just grabbing it. And it's going right over our heads and right past us. Good, go for it. Um, Back so them up. I think they're. I think they they seem to be ready. So, um, and any other uh, final thoughts, Rosemary? Before we go, I think it's been a great program, and we're off to a great start in 2022. And I'm optimistic. 
And well, hopefully. wonderful, wonderful. Yes. And Charlie, any other fun? Any uh, fun? I, I agree. I, <laughs> despite it all, I mean, you have to have hope, and there's so many good people out there. That, that that's to me. I I hitchhiked in 35 countries. I always said more than the vast majority of human beings, no matter what country, are decent people. And we desperately need to unite them in a common cause of saving our earth and creating a better world. Yeah, because you know, despite all our differences, we have much more in common. Right? Absolutely. So, well, thank you both so very much. It's been too long, and we're going to make sure that it's not so long before the next time. So, Rosemary, thank you for being on the program. My pleasure. And Charlie, thank you as well. Thank you. And that was the second part of our conversation with Rosemary and Charlie. For more of the past, present, and future of jobs, hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. You can also get links to future episodes right in your email inbox when you sign up for listener alerts at essentialworkpodcast.org. You also find our past episodes there, as well as on all the most popular podcast apps for your phone or device, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it. It also makes it easier for others to discover us if you head to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating along with a nice glowing review. Support us even more by going to battleofhomestead.org clicking the donate button and giving what you can. Whether it's 20, 10, or $2 a month, every bit helps. For less than a cup of coffee, just two and a half bucks a month or more, you'll also receive all the benefits of membership with the Battle of Homestead Foundation. We welcome your comments, suggestions, and questions. Click the contact link in the show notes or on our website, email us at comments at essentialworkpodcast.org, or send us a text or leave a voicemail on our listener line, 412-326-9435. We might just feature it on a future episode. This episode of Essential Work was produced by me. I'm at NathanRuggles.com. Angela Bachman also assists us with producing and audio engineering when we need it. Check out her work at ThatSoundGirl.com. Brittany Sheets designed our logo. Find her at BeSheetsCreative.com. Jason Kendall composed and recorded our original theme music. Keep up with him at jasonkendallproductions.com. Larry McCullough provides promotional and other support as Battle of Homestead Foundation communications chair and webmaster. Thanks to the members of the program committee for their feedback and advice. Special thanks to our producing sponsor, the Battle of Homestead Foundation. This is Essential Work. Exploring the past, present, and future of jobs. I'm Nathan Ruggles. Thanks for listening. Talk to you again soon. Twenty twenty one has been a year of transition for all of us. At the Battle of Homestead Foundation, they have discovered new ways to advance their mission of heritage, education, and social action. They expanded their educational outreach to include a weekly online tour of people's history locations through the Charlie's Monday Marker video series. 
as well as far-reaching discussion of social and economic trends with the podcast Essential Work, the Past, Present, and Future of Jobs. They presented seven timely online public panels featuring nationally known authors and historians. Topics included workforce shifts from heavy industry to healthcare, the women's suffrage movement, uprooted immigrant neighborhoods, protest songs, and today's civil action movements, the 1921 Battle of Blair Mountain, historical roots of today's social philanthropy, and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania's world-famous City Steps. They established a professionally archived labor history collection, thousands of documents, photos, recordings, and remembrances of labor history spanning decades. They co-sponsored the Blair Mountain Centennial in West Virginia, honoring a long-neglected part of U.S. history with a landmark Labor Day weekend of events. They built a new and more accessible website, which you should check out at battleofhomestead.org. They did all this with help, the essential support of all the individuals like you who enjoyed the programming, appreciate the hard work of the citizens, workers, educators, and historians that make it happen, and value their mission to preserve, interpret, and promote a people's history focused on the significance of the dramatic labor conflict at Homestead, Pennsylvania in 1892. In 2022, they'll present a new round of thought-provoking programming. Membership, along with special donations, is essential to their success. Annual membership is only for retirees or the underemployed, and just $10 for students. Join now at battleofhomestead.org. You can also choose to contribute at any of a number of special donor levels, and donations are tax-deductible. Membership also provides multiple free admissions to a variety of historical museums and sites in the greater Pittsburgh area. Check out the details at battleofhomestead.org. As this singular year comes to a close, while we still may have much to be thankful for, we also all see the urgent necessity of doing more to share our progressive labor history to a wider audience and inspire a new generation of activists and organizers. Your membership and engagement ensures that the Battle of Homestead Foundation will continue to do just that. Show your support today at battleofhomestead.org. In solidarity, BHF thanks you and wishes you good health, positive spirits, and both peaceful and joyous days ahead.